Welcome to Ladder Talk Live, a podcast for leaders, thinkers, and future makers. Covering topics like personal branding, self-awareness, networking, fear, and career management. I'm your host, I'm Coach Polina. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday, November 2nd. Welcome again to Ladder Talk Live. Today's episode, we're going to be discussing why investing in real estate can help you build wealth over time with John Papaloni. John is a serial entrepreneur from bust to an 8 a.m., excuse me, an 8 figure business and repeat. Currently CEO of Papaloni Media and Papaloni Capital with an active realtor's license, John helps aspiring entrepreneurs and real estate agents build systems and platforms to get them to the next level. John currently has a portfolio of properties that he's investing in that are generating passive income for him every single month. So today he's going to share his system on how he does it and how you can do it too. So welcome, John. How are you? I am fantastic. How's it going? Good, good. How's your week been? Oh, I can't complain. It's been very uh, productive, very, uh, you know, a lot of good personal stuff going on, a lot of good uh, work getting done. Um, Lots of things happening up. Like right now, my uh, Papaloni Media website is being revamped and updated. And uh, so we're going to have a new launch there. I'm kind of excited about that. Awesome. Yeah. Now you are in Toronto. Is that right? And we we here in Florida took all of your heat because you're you're experiencing um, some coldness over there. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. Like we had a couple of days that got a little warm, which made it like hmm, unusual for here for November or October for that mm-hmm. matter. And um, you know, then this morning was like, yeah, psych, gotcha. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're excited to have you this week. We have been talking about real estate wealth and how people can build their own portfolios from um, investments to personal properties, long-term investments, short-term investments. So would love to learn a little bit about you. How do you typically introduce yourself? Um, well, introduce myself as well. It's pretty much like you, like you said at the beginning, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've always ha- look out for opportunities. I got the outside the box thinking. And uh, like every other entrepreneur, I'm a learner and I try to learn new things every day. Mm, that's amazing. That's amazing. Now, how long have you been in the real estate space? Um, hmm, that's interesting too. Now, as an agent, I've been in it for seven years now or okay. about seven years. And yeah, as an agent, um, I grew up in a real estate family. Like my parents were, uh, they were factory workers, but they uh, were landlords. So oh. I've always been accustomed to being around it. And growing up, I used to go to open houses um, just for the sake of looking. And, you know, I didn't know how the process worked. I just, they had an open house, come check out the house. Okay. So I did. I didn't know that mm-hmm. most agents used it to grow leads. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but anyways, it was good experience and, uh, you know, it was fun, and that's where I kind of uh, – it stuck in the back burner. So I, I did other businesses, right? Like I've had my uh, print and marketing business that was doing eight figures a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I sold that, and then I got into an online business, which was doing really well. Uh, that's when my parents got sick, so I kind of just stayed home. I kind of I closed that business just because it was too hard to maintain while I can't uh, be active. And um, so I thought, you know what? I didn't know how long the bleeding would go. So I closed it. And then uh, when my parents went into the home and I had to uh, decide to go back to work and do something, I had to figure out what was I going to do. And I thought, you know what? 
we've been around real estate so long, so why don't I give that a try? And I figured since I'm going to open houses all the time, I might as well get paid to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, that's how I got my realtor's license. And I've been learning and growing from there and everything has developed ever since. Mm. What is one thing that you wish you would have known back when you first started in the investment of real estate? Well, I'm going to say something that uh, might uh, get some of your audience going, oh, what the heck, right? <laughs> Don't invest in single family homes. Mm. Right. Like, and I'm not saying ever, Let, let's be clear. What happens is too many times we sit there and we have our dream. We want that white picket fence. We want that uh, big backyard with the trees and yeah, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that American dream is there as we call it. Yeah. And we end up sacrificing our growth in order to achieve that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are going are gonna to be thinking, well, what do you mean by that? And that's where I'm going to get to. So why we sacrifice our growth is because we end up putting in all our money and all our investment into that home. And it's not an investment. It's an expense. Mm. And the reason is when you move into your home, you don't collect any rents. You don't collect any money. You don't get tax write-offs. What do you get instead? You get a tax bill. You get maintenance bills. You get a mortgage payment. You get uh, limited uh, opportunities in terms of uh, using credit for other investments. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get everything else that comes with it that's basically a headache. Insurance mm-hmm. payments, but no income. Now, so my thought, and this is what I would say, especially if you're starting off before you have a family. Mm-hmm. Right? What I, what I would do is take that money and invest it into a property that you can use for rental income. Collect that rent, make sure it's a property that gives you cash flow, then use that cash flow towards your savings to grow. So when you get another down payment, you can repeat. Mm -hmm. Right? So then at that point in time, once you get the second down payment, I would actually sell the original property. And then that's when I get into a triplex because from a single family home to the triplex is actually only a small jump. Mm. Right. And then from that point in time, you could live in one of the units, rent out the other two units, still gives you cash flow. And you're living basically, they call that house hacking. Mm. Right. So at that point in time, take the triplex when that goes up, take that money out, buy a sixplex. Now it's not on your credit. It's on your credit as in your credit rating, but it's not on your debt to income ratio. So you Mm -hmm. can take that sixplex because it's commercial and it's rated based on the performance of the building. Mm-hmm. And now you can get the loan from that. You'll have six rentals, save up that money. And then once you save up the money from that for your down payment, then buy your home. Because then you have an active income property that's constantly generating cash flow. And you're using that cash flow to, to where you want to live. It's basically uh, free living forever. Forever. Now, how do you, let's say you already purchased a property, your home, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And now you've realized, okay, now I want to get into investing um, in commercial real estate, duplexes, things of that nature. Is there a better strategy to do that? Let's say if you've not yet gotten into the real estate market, you may end up, it may be in your best interest to put it in your personal name versus your business name, or maybe it isn't. Um, but any advice from that perspective, if you already have a property and then you're looking to get into investing in other real estate? 
See, ironically, my advice would have changed if it changed if it was like seven months ago before the interest rate increases. Mm -hmm. Um, where today my advice is different. Mm -hmm. Um, six months ago when the interest rates were low, my advice would be to sell your home, get out, go rent somewhere cheap, and then buy that investment property. Use all the money there to get as many doors as possible. You don't want a single family home. You do not want a du uh, duplex. Now, I use my example. The last example was a single family home because I don't expect somebody's first investment property go out and get six doors or 12 doors or 20 doors. The bank's not going to give it to you. Even though I just said it is based on the performance of the building, not on you, they want to see some form of history mm -hmm. before they're willing to take that chance. Right? Now, as an example, yeah, so where I'm going with this is so you have to start somewhere. If your opportunity is to sit there and keep saving or invest in a, a single family home or a condo or anything, just get in the market. doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter how, just get in, mm. right? But once you have done that and you start building up that experience, then I would, uh, you know, I would stop investing in that and get into the commercial property. Mm. Okay. Okay. The, the strategy there. Sometimes you just have to get in where you can fit in, as they say. So do your exactly. best. Exactly. Like, like I said, someone who's never even had a, a single mortgage goes to the bank and say, I want a $5 million mortgage. They're going to laugh and say, okay, what are you really here for? Right. <laughs> right? Even if you are making that amount, you know, sometimes yeah, they will exactly. give it to you. There's, exactly. There's, you need that experience. It's kind of like so. a car loan as well. You got it. Now, I'm curious, what do you think from a realtor perspective and doing this for as many years as you, you've been doing it, what do you think the biggest mistakes realtors are currently making? Ah, um, that, that's a touchy subject. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what are the realtors making? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, everyone's different, right? Like, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but yep. There's certain instances where, you know, look, you always hear the same strategy. And if you get in and if you talk to a realtor, they're all going to make the same damn comment. Oh, I do everything for my clients. And that's the only thing I care about. I don't even care what the commission pays. It's all about them. And then one time and then you go and see their posts and it's like, oh, I bought a new Mercedes because I was thinking of my client. No, you were thinking of you. I don't think a client cares what you drive. Right. They right. care which house you show them. Now, a lot of times what happens is because of, so they play the facade, right? And they play that facade of, look at me, look what I got. I got the Benz, whatever. Well, ask that guy with the Benz where he lives. If mm -hmm. he's living with mommy and daddy, then that's the first clue, right? You don't mm -hmm. want, like the fake it till you make it nonsense needs to stop, right? Like that's, that's where I'm going with this. It just needs to stop. And, you know, look out after your clients. If you have to lose a bit of commission, because, like, like, prime example, I'll give you a live example, and I, I won't mention names, where I've seen where a deal was made, a home was purchased, then move-in day came in, and it was a war zone in the house. Mm. The person moved out, the crap they didn't want, they didn't throw it out, they left it there. It wasn't cleaned. Mm. Now, an agent that's actually worried about their client won't look at that and say, oh, my God, it's going to cost $200 oh, well, I can't get a hold of the listing agent and, uh, you know, the sellers aren't paying. No, no, no. You don't make your client wait there for four days figuring out who's going to pay for it. Get the cleaner there. Get it out there. Pay the damn thing. Figure it out who's paying for it later. Go to the listing agent to get the money back after. Don't let the client feel the punishment because you don't want to spend money on your out of your own commission. Mm-hmm. 
clean it, get out of it. That's part of your job. Like that, that's customer service. That is showing that you care about the client and not about your commission. Mm-hmm. Saying it means nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we had some comments. Tia says not being able to pivot when the market changes. It doesn't work in real estate. And uh, someone on LinkedIn says um, stop with the sales pitch in terms of, uh, you know, sometimes realtors are focused only on the pitch. I think another thing that Actually, is, is cha- go ahead. I would love to touch upon that with the sales. Yeah. Pitch. Sure. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with that 100%, right? Like if you look at my profiles, you'll never see a call to action. And that's intentional because you know what? You look at my profile, it says what I do. I don't need to tell you. So when I'm giving you an information, like when I'm posting and I'm educating, it's actually education. There's not reach out to me, call me, whatever. No, no, you have questions, reach out to me, DM me. I will reply. But there's no pitch. There's no call me if you're looking for a house. Call me for your next mortgage. Call me for whatever. None of that, right? Like, be genuine. Be authentic. If you're there for people, actually be there for them. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. Yeah. I, I think now, too, a new thing that's, that's I don't know if you're, you're feeling this as a realtor or any of the realtors in the audience, um, are these new Netflix shows, which I will promise you I'm addicted to. You've got your Selling Sunset, um, Tampa Sunset, you got all these, you know, home HGTV shows and things like that. But they've, they've glamorized the real estate market. And now people think, you know, when you become a realtor, it's all mansions and beachside properties and millions and 500,000 commission checks and things like that. Do you think that that has changed the way people look at realtors in a positive or negative way? Or what is your opinion on these, these type of shows? Well, for those who watch it and then want to go out and buy a house, my condolences. (laughs) Start with that (laughs) because uh, the reality of the TV show and the, and the reality, like the TV show and the reality of a home search are not the same thing. Mm. And does it give a negative or a positive view to realtors? 100%. Now there are positive aspects to the show, but let's look at the negative. Like you just said, you see beachfront, you see $500,000 commissions, you see uh, the fancy cars going back to that. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you the statistics here. 80% of realtors, and this is before our down market, which is what we're in now, 80%. So in the peak, 80% of the realtors sold zero to one house. They're bartending, they're servers, they're mm-hmm. working side jobs to pay their license fees and their rents. And then they're going around, I'm a realtor. And that's the reality of it. That's 80%. 15% make a living. And a living to me is 80 to 200,000. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's 15% of the market. So it's really only 5% of the market that is making the wealth that is giving you that ability to have that $500,000 check, that Mercedes Benz or Ferrari or Lamborghini or anything else you want to look at. Mm-hmm. 5%. And out of that 5%, 3% are the uh, one to $2 million you know, rich, and it's 2% that give you the whole, the I'm making 50 to $100 million a year. So that's not a lot of people. That's almost like real estate is almost like a microeconomic of the real world, right? 5% have all the wealth. 2% of the 5% have massive wealth. They're billionaires. 3% are wealth as in, you know, they have a decent backward. You're not really, <laughs> you're looking at them going, wow, lucky you, right? 15% are middle class. are going, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Mm. That's reality. Mm -hmm. It's not right, but it's reality. 
Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me the relationship between, for, for our viewers, the relationship between a broker and the bank and the realtor? Well, what does that relationship look like? What are the roles of, of a broker as it pertains to those um, entities? What do you mean by broker? Because you said realtor and broker. I assume they're not the same thing. They are. Right. It's actually exactly the same thing, except it's just a different uh, title. Um, here's what it is. A, a realtor or a real estate agent is basically someone who's just a typical salesperson. And a broker is just an upgrade to the license that has no no value aside from the fact that if they want to get into management. Because when you have a brokerage, you need to have a what's called a broker of record. And that you cannot be just a real estate agent and have be that broker of record. So you need a broker of record. And the only way to be that is with a broker's license. It's almost sort of the uh, that next level where the broker is sort of like the police for the agents. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but I mean, other than that, I mean, in terms of uh, roles, other than management position, it serves no purpose. Gotcha. But they, they get a piece of, of the pie if you're under no. their... No, no, no. We're all responsible for our own stuff. The brokerage takes a piece of the pie, gotcha. but gotcha. not the brokers. Brokers gotcha. are just, a, it's just a title. One's, one's, uh, you know, it's like saying one's a, a, an account manager and the other one's the manager, right? And it's okay. really, that's okay. the difference. That makes sense. Thank you for that clarification. Uh, so we have a comment on LinkedIn. People need to know the extras they will have to invest after purchase. Many houses look good from the outside, inside. But once you move in, you start to see the problems that needs to change or have the opportunity to negotiate between before purchase. Yeah, well, here's the thing, right? I, I'm glad that person asked that. I mentioned that there's there's a great point here. Now, we went through some so much madness in the last two years that important steps were being skipped mm -hmm. because people were competing. And with that competition, people were removing home inspections. They were removing financing clauses. And I realized that if you didn't do that, the seller is going to pick the one that doesn't have it. Let's, let's just be honest. But the reality is there could be a whirlwind of problems, right? You know how many times somebody did that just so they can win and what ends up happening is that to get the house, nobody noticed that the foundation was cracked and uh, folding. So a little crack can be fixed for a thousand bucks. It's just a fill in. It's not a big deal. But if it's folding in, we're talking about massive work. You have to dig from the outside. That could be, a, you know, upwards of 30 to 40 grand. Wow. And what if you put everything you had into the purchase? What will you do then? Right. If a banker goes in there and does the appraisal and they notice it, they may not withdraw their offer to finance or they may say it has to be fixed before you finance. And the thing is, usually by the time they do that, it's so late in the game, it causes problems. Mm -hmm. Right. So with that being said, home inspections are imperative, absolutely imperative. And for the most part, with the exception of that two years where it was not normal you should almost never buy a house without doing a home inspection. Mm -hmm. It's 500 bucks. And yes, that 500 bucks, if there's nothing wrong, can feel like a waste. But if that 500 bucks finds something, you're going to say it's the best 500 bucks I spent. Right. If it's going to save you 30 to 40,000, if there's a foundation issue or. Exactly. Like because that. everything is negotiable. If that's the case, once you discover it, it's not like the realtor can put it back on the market and not disclose. 
mm. by by mandates they're supposed to disclose. I mean, look, every profession has that 3% or 4% that's crooked. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the 97% that actually are above board. Mm -hmm. So more than likely, once it's been discovered in inspection, that's going to come out because that's that's a latent defect. So that's something that has to be revealed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Minor scratches, whatever, doesn't have to be revealed. That's that's cosmetics. But a latent defect has to be disclosed. Mm -hmm. And that would would really want to ask more questions, especially if the property has been on the market for a while, right? Yes, exactly. That, that's a telltale sign. Now, in terms of where we're headed, in your opinion, you know, as interest rates, you know, have gotten gone back up, you know, um, where do you think we're headed uh, within this real estate market as we get into 2023? This is the interesting part. Now, I think as a Canadian, we're going to experience different outcomes than Americans will. And here's what I mean by that. When we got when we get qualified, look, 2008 is when this kind of developed and what made us different than you. Mm. Not better, just different. Mm -hmm. Which is that uh, when the 2008 market collapsed in America, we didn't get that collapse. Right? Did we affect it? Yes. It would get affected. I mean, yeah, we did, but nowhere near. We made a we all we got was a 90-day pause. Mm. Nothing went down. Nothing changed. Now, what they did here is they put in what's called a stress test. So when we got that 3% interest rate two years ago, we were actually qualified based on getting 5.5%. Mm. So what happens is interest rates went up now, and they've already determined we can afford it. Because we got qualified at the higher amount. The downside is our mortgage approvals were lower. But we've kind of been protected from the interest rate increase. Where we're going to be affected, though, is because it's still not a 5.5% approval now. Because now that interest rates are 55 or 5.75 or whatever, we're not going to be have to qualify if it's seven and a quarter. So the amount we're getting is going to be lower. Mm. We're... On the other side of the border, you guys don't have that. So you could have put in your maximum amount of money and that interest rate increase is going to affect you a little bit differently. It's going to hurt some people. Now, what I think is going to happen is, look, for every downturn and every downside, there's a whirlwind of opportunities as well. So right now, if you have cash lying around and you can invest, absolute best time i know the interest rates are higher but let's be clear you're not spending any more money this is where the big difference was two years ago a home that was just say a million dollars would have been two years ago it was a million dollars you would have got it at three percent interest today that same home will be about 750 and it'll be at six and a half percent we'll say when you do the calculations on the mortgage based on the difference in price, there's only about an 80 to $120 a month difference. So the real difference was before you paid the seller more money, where now you're paying the bank more money. Mm. Either way, you were paying it. Because mm -hmm. one was paid all at once because you took a bigger loan, and one is paid over time. Now, the benefit of now, because you're paying the banker, you have the option to over-contribute every year. And as if you over-contribute, that means you're paying less interest over time. Mm. 
So you can actually limit and bring down the amount of extra you paid. Mm. Five years from now, when the economy starts doing this again, you can refinance on your renewal for the lower interest that comes back. So now all of a sudden you're saving there again. So that's another option. So the opportunity is now because now that million dollar home you couldn't that you couldn't afford, you're getting it for 750. So if you have cash lying around, that is the best thing to do right now. Invest now. Don't take the burden on yourself and upgrade your house. Invest in a rental property. Mm. Right? So you can collect the cash flow. That's the idea. Right? You want to get cash coming in, even if you're breaking even. The renter is paying the mortgage. When you refinance in five years and get the lower interest rate, because I believe it will come down, not in the next six months, <laughs> but it will come down. Okay. So when you refinance and get that lower rate, that break-even status will become cash flow positive. And then you'll have equity in that house as well. Because like I said, the term goes, what goes up will come down. What goes down will come back up. So it's... Real estate is a long-term game. If you are trying to do flipping, don't buy. Now is the worst time for flipping. Because as they keep increasing interest rates, the affordability is going to go down. Mm -hmm. And it's going to become harder and harder and harder. Now, I know the next question is going to be, well, if the housing market is going down even more, shouldn't I wait? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. And the reason is there's going to be a barrier where that homeowner is just going to say, I'm going to hold on to it. And whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to sell it below that certain price. So there's going to be a certain point that, yes, there might be homes available. That 750 might become 650, but it's going to be even harder to qualify. Mm. So it's not like you're ahead, right? Take advantage of the interest rate now where it's moderately affordable. And then once you're locked in, you're locked in. And then you just hold it on. 10-year gap. Keep it for 10 years. I guarantee you that you will have a 75 to 100% return within 10 years. Mm. That's, well, that's the average nice. in real estate. That's a, If you look at 40 years of real estate, with, throughout the ups and downs, every 10 years, roughly it doubles. Wow. Isn't that nice, y'all? So we have a question. What are legal things one should need to verify before buying any property? Sometimes there are a lot of fraud cases. Yeah. Like, what do you mean by fraud? That's That could be tricky. Now, a lot of times that's the job of a lawyer to find anything that's wrong. Like, I don't trust anything anybody says. I look at what's on title and trust what's on title. A prime example of Bob Smith, he says the owner, and the title says it's Ron Ron Joyce. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong here. Right. Right, because title is is attached to the property. Yep. And, that, and that's the one thing. You can't lie that. Your mortgages will be on there. You got to check for liens because sometimes people don't pay something. They think they got away with it. No, person's not chasing me. They're not chasing you because they put a lien on your house. So when you sell it, they're getting their money. They don't need yeah. to chase you. And you're paying 21% interest on that lien. Wow. So it pays off for that person waiting because the longer it takes, the more they get. Mm. Right? If housing doubles at seven, just say at the average of 7%, if housing doubles every 10 years, how fast do you think it double, the, the money owed doubles at 21%? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So liens are important. That's something a lawyer would do. 
Um, in Canada, we have something called title insurance. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have that or not, but the principle is it's insurance on uh, on the title to make sure that it's clean and clear when it transfers. Should there a problem be come arise after the transfer, then that insurance will cover the costs of getting it clear. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been so amazing, so insightful, so much information has been dropped today. Um, where can people follow you? Tell us about your podcast as well. Yeah, you've got some new listeners in the audience for sure. Absolutely. Well, you can follow me on uh, Instagram, at, just at my name, John Papaloni. Um, you can, uh, my, my podcast, and I think, uh, which will be relevant because we're talking real estate, because I have two, but the relevant one in terms of real estate is called the Investor's Outlook Podcast. The Investor's Outlook Podcast. Yes. Okay. Okay. And how frequently are you producing new, new um, episodes? Every Friday. I have uh, two, two, two um, episodes a week. I have Friday is my long form, which is usually roughly around the 30-minute mark. And then every Tuesday, I do what's called Market Tuesday, which is about a one or two minute clip. That's little uh, tips and suggestions. Okay, great. Well, I'll be sure to add that information to our show notes as well. We have one final thank you. Desiree um, says, good info, guys. Time in the market will always be timing the market. And I think 100%. the same philosophy can be applied to the housing market. So thank you for your insights today. I really appreciate it. Um, any good. last uh, words that you would like to leave us with? Um, last word is whatever you do, always invest in something. Like have your money, don't leave it in cash. Because two reasons. One is it's easy to be tempted to spend the money when it's in cash. Second thing is I have a theory called cash is trash. With uh, inflation rates being 8%, if you have 100 grand sitting in the bank uh, from last year till now, you've lost $8,000 of, of purchasing power. So get in the market one way or another. It doesn't matter how. If you can't do it on your own, do a joint venture. You can partner up with somebody and get in the market that way. It doesn't, you know, just have a legal contract done through lawyers to ensure that it's done properly and both of you should be on title. Mm. Well, thank you so much, John. We'd love to have you back. Maybe we'll have you back uh, sometime soon. But thank you so much for joining. Everyone, we will be back again tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern where we talk about how to buy property as a first-time buyer or investor. So thanks again for joining, John, and the rest of you have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Hey, thanks for watching the latest episode of Ladder Talk Live. That last episode was jam-packed full of information. I know I took a lot of notes. I hope you were able to do the same. If you find yourself at the end of this episode wondering how to get your career back on track, or if you need just a little bit of career clarity, make sure you go to coachwalina.com to sign up for your free complimentary career consultation. Let's get your career aligned to where you're looking to go next. Again, we're here to help everyday people live extraordinary lives. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and wherever you watch the podcast so you are in the know when new episodes launch and new opportunities to learn are available. I'll talk to you soon.